0: Open your Bible to Deuteronomy. I got 70 points to share. Now, you know, this is a preaching record. So, but I want to, you know, preface with a few important things and teach you just a couple things. Uh, For several weeks now, Pastor was asking a question. If you weren't here, I'll just kind of paraphrase for you. But he's been asking a question to our church and the Internet community that what would happen... If us as spirit-filled people, do I have any spirit-filled people in the room? You're filled with the Holy Spirit. You speak in other tongues. He said, what would happen if God's people who are already filled with the Spirit would begin on a regular basis to increase the amount of time they spend praying in the Spirit? What would happen if churches simultaneously began, even on a Sunday morning, to have times of praying in tongues or had prayer meetings where we didn't have to so much worry just about what we're praying in English, but we are praying in the Spirit, forging the pathway. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water, the Bible says. And what would happen if we join in a corporate unity? I really believe it would be just like the day of Pentecost when they heard it in the streets, just 120 people in an upper room impacted their city, impacted the surroundings, impacted the region. But I, I just, as he was preaching that, I thought, well, we need to take that to another layer. And not only what would happen if we pray in tongues, what would happen in our life, what would happen in social media, what would happen on the internet, what would happen in the nation. But what if there were a remnant people who already, maybe we already believe the Bible, but what would happen if we would have that same attitude and mindset in a fresh way about the Bible about God's word what would happen if we began to quote the word come on somebody what would happen if we began to declare the word afresh what would happen if we began to spend more time in our Bible rather than watching You Scared and book? what would happen if we spent more time reading the scripture than what they're reporting by way of lies on CNN what would happen if we read God's word and put God's word in the atmosphere of our house what might happen to that prodigal child what might happen into that situation in your health? What might happen and become of our finances if we begin to prophesy, declare, stand on, hold on to? Come on, put our, our grip onto God's word and the promises of the scripture. What would happen in our life? What would happen in our nation? And I want to talk to you again about if we can be a tongue-talking people, we need to be a word-talking people. We need a new, fresh revelation of God's Word. How many of you would agree if, with that? If you agree, you ought to shout amen, all right? Amen. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 1. I'm going to share a couple principles with you. Deuteronomy 1 and verse 1. God says all, somebody say all. All, all the commandments which I command thee this day. You shall observe. Somebody say observe. Observe. You shall observe to do that you might, number one, live. Somebody say live. live. That means to be alive, be well. And that you will multiply... And go in and possess the land. So multiply is increase. Possess the land means you're advancing. And you shall remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to prove you, and to know what was in your heart. So what did God do? He led them into a place in the wilderness to prove them and find out what was in their heart, whether or not, or whether you would keep his commandments or not. May I propose to you that I believe every Christian in their journey with God at some point must go through a wilderness situation, must go through challenges and will encounter challenges. Come on. Jesus said it like this. He said, in this world, you will have tribulation. There will be tests. There will be trials. There will be afflictions. There will be challenges in this world. Come on. That's the words of Jesus. Jesus said that in this world, you have tribulation. And so every person at some point is going to encounter that wilderness. Come on from the red sea across the Jordan, Israel encountered a wilderness that put their belief system to the test. And they had to learn for themselves before God Almighty whether they would absolutely put their heels in, put their roots in God's commandment. Come on, what will we do when our faith is tested in an ungodly government? What will we do? Will we hold on to God's word in an environment that is filled with economic downturn and evil at every side? What will we do? Come on. Will we hold on to God's word amidst peer pressure? Will we hold on to God's word when it looked like that prayer wasn't answer? Am I preaching to somebody in the room? Will we hold on to God's word when that situation did not turn around the way we thought it was supposed to? Will we hold on to God's word when we don't have enough food in the fridge or we get a diagnosis from the doctor? Come on. Every one of us will go through a wilderness at some point that will determine whether or not we will stand with the word or we will turn the other direction. And this is what God allowed Israel to go through. To go through a time and a season of testing where they had to walk that wilderness and determine whether they would stay obedient to God. Come on, will we hold on to God's word in a culture that is abandoning the Bible? I read to you last week, 28, only 28% of millennials now even believe that the scripture is the inerrant word of God. 28%, that is a minority and only 2% even hold any kind of biblical worldview. This should terrify us in a good way. It ought to be a, sound the alarm somehow that we, the generation who still holds the word of God is true, Would hold on to that and go, wait, we better place a fresh emphasis on the power of scripture. Because in a lot of churches, millennials are coming now and the pastor doesn't even preach from the Bible anymore. He might give one verse as a nice poetic answer and then go on and preach a self-help message that doesn't do anything better than what Dr. Phil can do on the TV screen. Come on, we need better. We need the anointing. There's power in the scripture. And every person will be tested in their life to know whether or not when under pressure, when under the temptation to quit, in your darkest hour, worst pain, will you hold on to the word of God? Jesus had to go through it. Come on, in the wilderness, 40 days and 40 nights, he was in deep, direct combat with the devil himself, Satan himself. And it wasn't just three temptations. Okay, the Bible only highlights three, but your Bible tells you in Matthew chapter 4 and Luke 4 that Jesus was 40 days and 40 nights tempted of the devil. And he stood there in that test and in that temptation with the confidence that he would stand on God's word no matter what pressure the devil put him under. And he fulfilled this scripture where it says that man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds. Come on, out of the mouth of God. And, and even right here it says this in in that I highlighted in my Bible, God said, verse three, he would humble you. He would suffer you to hunger and feed you with manna, which you knew not. Neither did thy fathers know that he might make you know, come on, make you know that man cannot live by bread only. Come on. Natural solutions can only do so much for us. I love to coin the phrase, thank God that vitamins and garlic are not the healer of the church. And there's nothing wrong. You ought to eat healthy and take vitamins. I have no problem. I think that's great and it's wonderful. But if we put our dependence in those things, we'll come up short. We have to know that we're dependent on God and only God alone can be our salvation. Only God alone, come on, can be our answer. Only God alone can be our breakthrough. Only God alone can be our miracle. Hallelujah. And will we stand in his word? And not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And Jesus had to go through that in His forty days and forty nights in the wilderness. He fulfilled exactly what Israel walked through. And I love what the Bible says. It says, I think it's uh, Luke four and fourteen. It says, and after forty days and forty nights, Jesus came out of the out of the wilderness in out of the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, think about that. He came out in power. He passed the test. And every person will face that test, but Jesus passed it and it was reflected not only that he didn't bow down to the devil, but it was reflected ultimately in the garden of Gethsemane when he was under tremendous pressure, sweating blood under the pressure to absolutely quit and not go to the cross. What if Jesus didn't pass that test? We wouldn't even be here. So this is what is so powerful, and I believe there must be a fresh desire, a fresh press. I grew up in the 80s in the word movement. It was word everything, word nightlights, word t-shirts, you know, word everything. We had word paintings, word cross-stitch, word Afghans. I, I, I mean, that's the era that I understood, And somewhere, even in charismatic circles, the charismatic, I guess, Pentecostal, however you want to call it, has slipped a little bit away from that determination and effort. Because, you know, I hear Christians now will talk, they'll put COVID up here and the word down here. I believe there needs to be somewhere we got to flip the switch and get back to putting our roots. Am I preaching to somebody in the room today? Putting our roots back in God's word, putting our root system back in the power of the scripture. The Bible says God's word, Hebrews 4 and verse 12, it is living, it's active, and it's full of power. It'll discern and cut in between that which is wrong and that which is right. And there must be a fresh emphasis. The Bible says in Proverbs 4 and verse 20, you ought to know these scriptures by heart, by the way. You ought to know it. It says, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear. How many of you got ears? You should own two of them. You can listen with one and the other, both. Incline your ears, your ears to my sayings, right? Let them not depart from where? So not only are you listening to the word, but you're looking at the word. We got to have our eyes on it. Incline your ears. Let them not depart from your eyes, but keep them in. And by the way, if you let them, letting them depart from your eyes. If you only read the Bible twice a week or once on a Sunday, that's not going to get it for you. That's letting it depart Monday to Friday and only coming to you on a Sunday. That won't get it for you. And you won't see the results from the word when it is secondary to other things. And that's why a lot of Christians are disillusioned and Mark four talks about that. It says, let them not depart from your eyes but keep them in the midst of your where? Your heart. So that means you're thinking about the scripture. You're rehearsing God's promises to you. You are letting those things turn over in your mind. Maybe you need to make post-it notes and tape them somewhere around your house. I don't know, but you're keeping keeping them in the midst of your heart. And then it says this, for they are what? Life. How many of you want to live a long life? Well, you know the secrets in the word of God. For they are life to those who what? Find them. Okay, if you're not looking for it, if you're looking for everything else, and your schedule is so packed up, with all of the things. You know, the devil will always tell you you don't have time to read the Bible and pray. He'll always tell you that. He'll try to distract you. He'll try to keep us. He'll make you think you have more to do. You'll sit down to read your Bible. You know, because the, the devil would rather you do anything than get in, his, in God's word. He would rather you do anything. And it could be good and charitable and wonderful. And it'll seem like to you, every time you sit down, come on, mothers, the moment you sit down to read the Bible and pray in the spirit, that's when the baby poops the diaper. And there's diary all around the nursery. And the phone is ringing off the hook. And someone's had a crisis. Uh, The car didn't start, whatever it is. But the enemy is going to try very, very hard to keep us because he knows that's where the power is. That once you get a hold of it for their life to those who what? Find them and watch health, not just to your mind, but to your body. Health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are what? Issues. The issues of life. This is why God told Joshua, Joshua 1.8. Here's another scripture. You ought to have it memorized. You ought to be able to quote it. God told Joshua, Joshua eight. He said, this book of the law shall not what? Depart out of where? Out of your mouth. OK, so you ought to be talking the word of God every day, speaking the scriptures every day, speaking. That's why I wrote the decree books to help us speak the word over our situation, speaking it over our atmosphere, over our lives. And so it said he'll don't let it depart from your mouth. Right. But keep it, keep it before you that you might meditate in there, there in day and night so that you might what observe it. A lot of Christians now forgot what it means to just observe the simple truths of Scripture. You know, people have bad manners. You know, they follow. we follow the culture. You know, and I, I get on social media a lot. It has some good points because it's enabling us to stream around the world, at least most Sundays. <laughs> Thank God for OVTV. But... I think sometimes social media and and internet comments, because, you know, they even have comments now at the end of articles, there's commenting everywhere, commenting on YouTube and all of these places, and in some ways, I mean, it's good, it's been good, it has its good point, but, and I don't know if you can agree with me on this, but I think it's also brought out some bad behavior out of people that are even Christians, you know, the bickering that goes on. The fighting right there on the comments, just just fighting back and forth and people calling each other out. I mean, things we would never do to each other directly if we saw each other in the hallway out here. You know, you would never walk up to somebody, I I don't think, if they made a comment you don't agree with and, and give them the barrage of reasons you don't agree with it and tell them, I want to give you three points and how false you are. I just, I don't know. It's just brought out things that we can do behind a keyboard by way of bad behavior. And nobody knows if that's even you, you know, fake names and all of these things. But my point in saying that is, is, is God said that you might observe. I think there just needs to be a new observance just to come back to the basic things of what it means to be a believer, how to treat people. Hallelujah. That could be a sermon. I think pastor, he said he's going to bring back a message that he preached years ago on honor, that there needs to be a fresh honor of how to just be a Christian. Come on, somebody. Just what it means to be a believer that you might observe to do all that's written therein. And you know how I I told the first service this. One of the best ways to test how Christian you are is when you drive. Because if you can just obey the Bible behind the wheel of a vehicle, you probably are well on your way to to betterment in so many ways. I was out here getting a hamburger at this McDonald's, or and actually it was a chicken sandwich. And I had this. I got off work. I was here at the church, and I thought I am getting a chicken sandwich and I am going to Hobby Lobby. There's a Hobby Lobby over here, and I was going to have a chicken sandwich and go to Hobby Lobby. And I'm in my car right out here by the stop sign out on the corner. And I thought it, it was a red light and the traffic was going up and down Millard Avenue. And I thought, I'm, I'm going to just take a bite of that chicken sandwich. I didn't even want to wait till the Hobby Lobby parking lot. I'm going to have it now. And I opened that bag and took a bite of my sandwich. I had my iced tea in the cup holder. And I thought, and just as I took the took the bite of the sandwich, I needed a second to put it down. The light turns green. Well, there's a person behind me that was not. They thought I waited too long. And I personally, come on, we're always right in our driving. I did not think I took too long. I chewed the sandwich, and, be, and the guy already had his hand out the window with a gesture. And so I thought, and everything in me thought, now see, I, I, I'll be a Christian in my heart, but everything in me thought, I, I just want to take my foot off the brake extra slow yeah. and just accelerate really slowly. And just about the time my car gets through the green light, it'll have already turned yellow and it'll be a one car pass. Hallelujah. I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it. But you know, the way we drive, come on, our attitude in a drive through our attitude, just what it means to observe, to do all that's written in the Bible and not just the parts we like. When I first got saved, I thought, Lord, there is some stuff in here that are hard sayings. You know that's what they said to Jesus. They said to Jesus, What you say is too hard. John chapter 6, he said, Eat my body and drink my blood. And there, the Bible the scripture declares that the seventy went back and didn't follow him anymore. And anymore. And that was after they had seen signs and wonders and miracles. So if it could happen to the 70 that they would stop following God because they had no word root in themselves, even after they saw Satan fall, even after they saw demons be subject in Jesus' name, they still didn't follow him. And I'm thinking, God, that means I have to observe the scripture, the parts I love, amen, and the parts I don't want to do because there's parts I don't always want to do. You know, we don't always want the scriptures on. If you want your prayers answered, you have to forgive. We don't always like that part. We like the prayers answered part, but we don't always like the forgiveness part. We don't always like to keep our tongue and keep our life scriptures. He that keeps his tongue, Proverbs says, will keep his life. In other words, you save your life by your mouth. What you say and don't say. Amen. Right? Got to zip. Zip sometimes. Or say the right things. And that's how we know if the word is in us, if we can say the right things when we are faced with something. So God wanted Joshua, he said, if you observe to do all, and you know, God will help you do all the parts. If you spend time in it, you will be more inclined to do everything it tells you. You won't just pick out the bless me scriptures. You'll be not afraid to read the correct me scriptures. You know, we need a balance of both. We need both bless me and correct me. If you just have bless me all the time, you'll be soft and you'll just be the mercy, mercy person all the time. And you won't care about boundaries so much. There's a lot of that going around. God is so loving. He accepts everything. Well, that's not true because then there's the correct me side of scripture. But you can't just get hung up on the correct me side of scripture because then you get mean and nasty and become a Pharisee. So you don't want to do that. People have asked me, and I, you know, and I can't assume everybody in here today is you know, 40 years serving God. Maybe some of you are new. I mean, with stats like only 28%, think about that, of millennials believing the Bible is even from God, a lot of them really just believe it's a poetic book now. And if only 28%, I can't assume anymore on a Sunday that all y'all know the Bible, and I can't assume that now. We have to think about the fact that there is a whole generation, and those of us who know the word, we have a huge responsibility right now to bring the Bible back up to upper level. Begin to preach from it, declare it, come on, put it in our homes, emphasize it, defend it. But I can't, you know, assume everybody knows it. And I get people that still now will ask Pastor and I, well, Pastor Hank and Brenda, you know, how do I start? How do I read the scripture? Well, just open it helps sometimes i know that was deep you walked away with something with that that was the nugget of the day right there open it and i encourage you get a real bible get a book but open it does help but here's the thing it's not hard to read the scripture open to the book of proverbs it'll keep you in line i promise you if you just go with proverbs you'll be have some boundaries about you You'll do some right, you'll make some right decisions. You'll treat people differently. And read the book of Psalms. It'll encourage you and lift you up when you're down. Go back to the Old Testament history books of the Bible and read about uh, all of the things from Genesis through the kings of scripture. And you will, I promise you, you will learn about char- the God's character and how he views things. Come on, his opinion, God's attitude toward everything is revealed in the Old Covenant. Go to the Gospels, the four Gospels. If you read, God told Oral Roberts years ago, he said, Oral, if you will read the four Gospels, he wanted him to read it several times in three months, he said, if you will just study the Gospels, you will know Jesus better than anybody else. So read the Gospels, you'll learn about Jesus. If you want to understand the power of the corporate gathering, the church, read the book of Acts. If you want to know anything about living life and what will make you wise, And a good Christian, a godly believer, read the epistles. Come on. If you want to understand eternity and know about heaven, read the book of Revelation. It's not hard. Just open the book and start to thumb the pages and take in what God's word has to declare. So Jesus had to go through the wilderness. He had to walk that path, and he passed it. Praise God. Aren't you glad he passed it for us? Amen. But then, so last week, we talked a little bit about um, the parable of the sower, and this is really important, and I would encourage you to go back and study that parable from very different viewpoints. I mean, we, stud- we read it a lot as it's pertinent to finances, but I think it's really when Jesus was teaching it, it was much more than that. In Mark 4 and verse 13, he said, uh, if you understand this parable, or I like to say it like this, if you understand this principle just this principle will you then know all parables in other words you have unlocked the foundational key of the kingdom of god if you just get this principle that he's teaching on the parable of the sower you'll understand all things pertinent to the kingdom because it is the foundational truth and jesus here describes and and i think we we need to go back and do due diligence to this parable Jesus describes here four types of reactions people have to the scripture. This is why every person will go through a wilderness to where it will reveal whether or not they're going to hold on to God's word, whether or not they're going to stay serving God when things don't go their way. Jesus describes four types of responses. Number one, verse 14, he said, these are they by the wayside. Where are the what? The word was sown and what happened? Satan comes immediately, and you know, it's funny, I used to read that as if, I guess, I'm sorry, that's verse 15, I used to read that as if you get excited about a scripture, and then the devil comes immediately, you come to church, and you hear a good word, pastor's preaching, and you go out, and the devil comes immediately, But but the more I read that, this is those that just, it's in one ear and out the other, it doesn't even plant, that's why it's by the wayside, these are they by the wayside, where the word of God is sown, but when they've heard, Satan comes immediately. So what Jesus is saying, there is a group of people, they'll sit in the pews every Sunday, they'll come to church but never do anything with what they hear. It'll be, oh, that's great, love that teaching, and go right out on a Monday through Friday and make no changes or never apply it. Or there are the people who immediately reject what they hear. I mean, I've done that before and I'm sad to say there's times there's been good preaching and then I thought, I don't like that guy's hair. <laughs> I mean, it's true. I, I, we had a prophet call Hank and I out one time in a church service and some of you've heard this story. And here we are in it. How many of you have not heard this story? So we get called out and he says, man and woman of God, come up here and I, I have a word for you. And I, we were, somebody had invited us to this service and we came to the front, and I looked at that guy. He was wearing shorts and a Hawaiian shirts and a pair of flip-flops, and his hair was askew. And I thought, I, you should be in a suit, dude. And it just, I don't know, it just got to me. I just didn't like his appearance. It's crazy, the things we can be hung up about. And he begins to prophesy. And, I, and I'm, you know, have you ever received with prejudice? I was receiving. I looked very receptive in the service i think pastor was more receptive than me but i wasn't getting into it and but i made it look like i was i was in the front of the whole church i had to look good and i'm like this and he begins to prophesy and say you're going to go all over the world you're going to prophesy to nations you're going to have television the lord says you're gonna i'm like okay yeah okay i'm like all right um and those were some of some of those things were things that we had prayed that we had agreed with and prayed for and and then all of a sudden and Man and woman of God, and this was long before Lord of Host Church, he said, man and woman of God, you're going to be sent to a city and you're going to start a church, you're going to pastor a flock of people. And I thought, no. <laughs> now, and by the way, can I just say, that proves to you that not all prophecy is confirmational. We've said that for years in the church. Well, prophecy should only confirm No. Okay, when Agabus wrapped the belt around him about Paul and said, if you go to that city, the one whose belt, you're going to be killed in Jerusalem, it wasn't a confirming word. Paul didn't already have that in his spirit. So there was plenty of prophecies that you're going to hear for the first time and have to learn how to receive those prophecies and discern through them. So when he said that, I thought, well, I I just can't get past you. And that was a by-the-wayside approach. Satan comes immediately. People do it all the time on the internet. Well, I don't agree with that. I don't like that. We're always so not agreeing that we're not receiving. Amen. That ought to preach. That should be a sermon right there. So that's the the wayside approach. And sometimes we do that when we, even if you're hearing me today and you're like, yeah, that's a good word. And you never do anything with it. Satan came immediately and took it from you. And then there's the next group, sewing so on, on stony ground. Come on, we know this. And the scripture says that these are the ones that got really into it. They went in the prayer line. They got excited. They heard the pastor's message. They even took notes that they never went and looked at all week. <laughs> and when they heard the word, they receive it with gladness. They get excited. Come on, these are the tongue talkers. These are the people that do a lap around the church when the church gets a new building. Hallelujah. But it says they receive it with gladness, verse 17, and having no root in themselves. In other words, they don't take root in it and build upon it. It's not enough for me to just give you these scriptures today and you do nothing with it thereafter. If we're going to see signs and wonders and miracles, it's going to take some rooted people. Who are rooted in the truth of God's word. Because, listen, the devil will throw everything at you and me to get us to back up and back out of what we believe. And I just want to announce to the devil, we're not going to let that happen. We're going to rise up in God's word. And we're going to defend the scriptures. Come on, we're going to declare and speak. And it doesn't matter what we feel like. Because the hardest thing sometimes to do is declare God's word when everything around you feels absolutely the opposite. But it said they immediately received it and had no root, and they endure for a little bit. A lot of people do this with divine healing. And afterward, when affliction and persecution, and by the way, that's not just talking gospel persecution. It means the enemy is persecuting you personally, attacking you personally because of that promise of truth that's in your heart. He does it on purpose. He waits till there's a seed planted and then goes after it. Affliction or persecution arises for because of the word immediately they're offended. So that's the second group. And the next one is the one among thorns. And this is the group that's distracted. And I think this is where a lot of the church has been. Let's just talk COVID for a moment. Just distracted by all of the COVID situation that's been out there. And, and it says, and the cares of this world. Well, was COVID-19 not a care of this world? It was that care of this world is anxiety it means fears, all of the things that are in this world that the, the evil and the princes of darkness are promoting, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. And by the way, deceitfulness of riches could be that you're just a workaholic and you're so busy working your business, you don't have time for the word. Deceitfulness of riches, the lusts of other things. And that's not just talking sexual lusts. It means you're just busy. You have too many plans. Amen. This is all of us. We all have to look at this. Too many plans that don't include being in God's word or praying. Enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And then we, of course, know the last group, that was the ones that were on good ground. They actually worked the word of God. And I promise you, if you want to see fruit from God's word for divine healing in your life, you want fruit, In your family, you want fruit with your children. You want fruit in your finances from the word of God, the promises of scripture. We're going to have to get serious, especially in this day and age. We're going to have to be more determined. And by the way, and God will see to it that you have an opportunity to either stick with his word or, or turn away from it while you're under the pressure of the culture and the persecution from the world. It's a fact, right? So we need, how many of you would agree, we need a new a rising of remnant believers who are hungry and determined. We are Christians. We believe the Bible and we are going to hold on and declare God's word in the face of Satan, in the face of attack. We're going to hold on to God's word and it doesn't matter what the devil tries. I will never stop believing God. Come on. Can you shout if you agree with that? you want to shout like you're a bible believing christian that you believe the word of healing you believe god's word of deliverance come on you believe the bible say it with me say i believe god's word it's truth it doesn't lie hallelujah give god praise amen praise the lord it makes me mad that the devil's trying to take the Bible out of church and out of our young, younger generation. I grew up when they, they'd read the Bible in public school. And yet, charismatic Christians leave their Bible at church on a Sunday in the lost and found. And you wonder which one, oh, well, I had extra ones. Oh, don't, no, 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 no. I do have a lot of Bibles, but everybody knows if you're serious, you have one Bible that you know where every verse is. I told the church last week, so I think we, I think 242 groups, we ought to try these. uh, We did these things when I was in um, Christian school, and it was a Baptist Christian school back in the day when I was in high school, and they did these things (laughs) called sword drills. All right, now this is for 242. How many 242 people I have? So 242 groups. All right, anybody in 242, you don't know what a sword drill is. Anybody, do you know what a sword, okay, some of you don't know. So we used to do sword drills. I know, it's kind of a kid's game. But adults can do it, too, because it's really fun. So you have to get a Bible. And it doesn't matter if it has index or not, because you won't have time to look at the index. And somebody in the group reads the reference. And the first person to turn to it and stand up and read it wins the point. Maybe we ought to put $100 bills on the line for the building. I don't know. <laughs> See how well we know our scriptures. And, and the nice thing about sword drills, you have to know what order the books are in. You can't like go to the app and scroll till you find it. Can I tell you, Bible apps are great because you can get lots of different translations on one device. And that's good for study, but it won't make you excellent at the Bible knowledge. Okay. And I don't know, the app I have, you have to choose the chapter and then it doesn't go on to the next one. So then you have to click back out. I'm like, this is a pain. I'd just rather get to the regular scriptures so you can keep reading from chapter two to three to four. You can't just read like that, at least not in the apps that I have. And so I don't like that. I want to just read it for real. But we need to get back to that. I think we ought to do some sword drills. Some of you, 242 ought to just get in there. And it's going to know, listen, you'll know whether you know where the book of Micah is or not. I'm telling you. Can you find Nahum faster than anybody in the church? It'll reveal everything, right? Start digging it. Now see, now all of y'all are gonna go home. See, but I just challenge you, you're gonna go home and you're gonna find the book of Nahum and mark up the whole chapter so that your page is well-worn. <laughs> right? It's well-worn. It, Nahum's a good book. It's, a, it's about Nineveh. It's a good book. You ought to go back and read it and just tear up the pages so when Sordral comes, you can find Nahum faster than your brother and sister in your group, and you'll beat them out and read the... Okay, all right. All right, so here's how I want to finish. 70 points. I found... How many of you ever read Psalm 119? It's the longest psalm, longest book of the Bible. And I don't know that I know any preacher that's ever preached the whole thing in one service in 10 minutes. Except, except Brenda Kuhneman. I just, I just made preaching history. I'm about to make preaching history again. Because we're going to go through Psalm 119 and find that in there. Now, there might be more. Somebody in the first service told me. I said, there's 70 things the word of God will accomplish in your life. And somebody in the, you know, we have a sassy church. Somebody in the first service yelled out, you should make it 100. I'm like, well, you do the other 30 because <laughs> it took me a little bit of time to do the 70. But I found, now this is powerful, 70, 70 things that the word of God will do for you just from one Chapter of Scripture. Anthony told me he reminded me that seventy is the a number of restoration. Maybe it's God is saying get back an emphasis to the scriptures again in the body of Christ because He's bringing a restoration to a nation. He's bringing restoration in the earth and it's going to take people that know how to wield their sword. Amen. All right, are you ready now? Let me let me preface you before I go to these all seventy. You can set your timer. If you want to set your stopwatch, you go ahead. Go ahead, sweetheart. Set your watch. Set your phone. I'm going to give you 70. And so here's what I told the group. I said, the booth isn't going to have time for me to put the verses up because we're just going to go quick. And if you don't get it, you go back and rewatch it. One person just got their phone out and filmed it first service, but there was somebody else. I don't know. Where's Patrick, Patrick Rios. If I don't know if he's in here, but anyway, he wrote down every 70 and said, I got it all done. And I, and I spoke against carpal tunnel when I was over. I spoke (laughs) against it because the word will work for that too. Amen. Are you ready? So 70, 70 Psalm 119. This is 70 things that the word of God will answer if we apply it in our life. Okay, here we go. Get ready. Get ready. Number one, From Psalm 119, and I'm not going to say the chapter, you know it, I'll just say the verses. The first one is, is God's word will bring God's blessing in your life. How many of you want to be blessed by God? That's verses 1 and 2. The second one, number 2, God's word will keep you from disappointment. The King James uses the word ashamed. That's verse 6. Number 3, somebody say 3. God's word will cause you to keep a thankful attitude toward God. We need that. Verse 7. Number 4, God's word will cleanse you from sin. That's verses 9 and 11. Number 5, God's word will cause you to rise up rise up and not even worry about your critics. That's verses 21 and 23. Number 6, God's words will be your counsel when you need advice. That's verse 24. Number seven, God's word will help you make quality and right plans. How many of you want, don't want to play on the wrong vacation? That verse is for you. Verse 26. Number eight, it will help you speak right about God's character. And that's verse 27. Number nine, God's word will give you strength when you feel weak. That's verse 28. Number 10, God's word will keep you immersed in the truth. Verse 30. Come on, in a culture of deception, we need that one right there. That's verse 30. Number 11, God's word will give you understanding and insight when you need it. Verses 33 and 34. Number 12, God's word will keep you from being covetous. You know, all the people that are against prosperity preaching. Listen, if you read the Bible, you'll understand that God wants you to prosper, but he won't let you become covetous. That's verses 36 and 37. Number 13, God's word will reassure you of all God's promises. Number 14, God's word will renew righteousness inside of you, verse 40. Number 15, God's word will fill your heart with an awareness of God's mercy and righteousness towards you. That's verse 41. Number 16, God's word will enable you to answer your critics and your enemies when you have to. Verse 42, how many would like to have an answer for your enemies when you're cornered? Number 17, God's word will liberate you and put your mind at ease, verse 45. Number 18, God's word will give you confidence to speak before important people and dignitaries. Verse 46. Number 19, God's word will give you hope about your life and about your future. That's verse 49. Number 20, God's word will comfort you in times of trial and affliction. Verse 50. Number 21, God's word will stabilize you when you're criticized and ridiculed. That's verses 51 and 69. Number 22, God's word will comfort you. Anybody have needed some comfort in the room? That's verse 52. Number 23, God's word will speak to your soul in the middle of the night. Verse 55 and 56. Number 24, God's word will give you divine direction for your life. And that's verse 59. Number 25, God's word will deliver you from peer pressure. Amen. We need that right now. Verse 61. Number 26, God's word will remind you that the Lord has always been good to you. Because the devil will try to tell you that God wasn't good to you regarding something or another. And that's verses 65 and 68. Number 27, God's word will will build faith in God's commands and promises, verse 66. Number 28... God's word will give you a proper re- perspective regarding finances and money. That's, number seven, that's verse 72. Number 29, God's word will remind you that you're created in his image. Verse 73. Number 30, God's word. getting there. I'm doing it. Come on now. God's word will give you a right perspective in a time of trial. That's verse 75. Number 31, God's word will help you consecrate or concentrate on God when you're surrounded by evil. Verse 78. Number 32, God's word will unify you with like-minded believers. That's a good thing. Verse 79. Number 33, God's word will cause you to live a blameless life. That's verse 80. Number 34, God's word will keep you from emotional weariness and from giving up. Verses 81 through 85. Number 35, God's word will become your final answer regarding everything. Verse 89. Are you writing? Okay. Yeah, I see you. Number 36. I guess 35. We are halfway. 36. 36. It will help you see God's wonder in creation. Verses 90 and 92. Number 37, God's word will sustain your joy and break the power of depression. Hallelujah. And that's verses 92 through 93 and 143. Number 38, God's word will save you from destruction and the enemy's attacks. Verses 94 and 95. Number 39, God's word will reveal to you that God has no limits. Verse 96. Number 40, God's word will cause you to outsmart your enemies. Huh. number 98. Number 41, God's word will make you wiser than most teachers and instructors. 90, verses 99 and 100. Number 42, God or God's word will cause you to be taught by God himself. In other words, God will talk to you. Number one, verses 101 through 103. Number 43, God's word will give you a distaste for the false and the fake. Number 104, I think some of us already have that. Number 44, God's word will make... God's word will make God's will in your life obvious to you. How many of you ever wanted to know his will for you? That's verse 105. Number 45, God's word will remind you that your life is always in his hands. That's verse 109. Number 46, God's word will give you a strong determination to do the right thing. Verse 112. Number 47, it will give you a distaste for disloyalty and division. Verse 113. Number 48, God's word, when you have God's word in you, you will not want to have any sinful or compromising friendships. And that's verse 115. Number 49, you will. if you're in God's word, you'll understand God's attitude of intolerance toward the wicked. Number Verses 118 through 119. Number 50, think about it. We're getting close, guys. It, God's word. This is all the stuff God's word will do in your life. Think about this. We ought to spend more time in the book. Number 50, it will help you see the faithfulness and reliability of God's promises, verse 123. Number 51, it will help you expect an immediate miracle in your situation, verse 126. Number 52, you will see God's boundaries as a hedge of safety and not as a restriction. And that's verses 129, 137 through 138. Number 53, God's word will make you smart in areas where you don't feel you are. Verse 130, come on, come on, some intellect stuff going on. Number 54, you will be grieved, when you're in the word, you'll be grieved by sin and wickedness. That's verses 136 and 158. Number 55, when you're in God's word, you'll experience that God's word can be tested and always found faithful. Verse 140, number 56, are you still writing? Okay, number 56, this is 70, it's, it's, it's amazing. 56, you'll know, when you're in his word, you will know God is always fair and he's always just. Verse 142, number 57, God's word will draw you into prayer. Verse 145, but, uh, number 58, if you focus, God's word will help you focus on God from the morning all the way to nighttime. And that's verses 147 through 48. God's word will inject you with life and with health. We just quoted that earlier, but that's verse 149. Number 60, you will understand that God is always near and he won't leave you, verse 151. Number 61, come on, nine to go. It will give you an awareness of eternity, Versus, verse 160. Number 62, you will not, I, you're gonna like this one. You Number 62, you will not fear the harshness And the mandates of evil governments. Verse 161. Number 60. I think we need to get in the word. Don't you? Number 63. God's word will cause you to want to study. And search for the hidden treasures inside. That's verse 162. Number 64. God's word will keep you praising all day long. And prevents complaining. Verse 164. Number 65. God's word will keep you calm and collected. That's verse 165, 66. God's word will remind you that he sees everything that you and I do. 167 through 168, that's the verses. Number 67, God's word will sharpen your discernment. That's verse 169. I got three more. This is a good time for the piano player to come. You, when you're in God's word, you'll have confidence that God always hears your prayers. Have you ever prayed and thought, God, are you listening? That's verse one seventy. Verse 69, God's word will guard your mouth and cause you to speak right. Verse 171 and 172. And lastly, you're going to stand up for this one. Right. How many of you got all these down? Surely, did you write them all down? I'm telling you, can you believe 70 things that the word, God leaves no stone unturned? Everything is in the book that we have need of. Everything. If you're in the word, here's the 70th one. Are you ready? Verse 176. God's word will make it so you will never backslide. You will never turn your back on God. Come on. How many hungry people are you hungry? Come on. To increase, just like we're increasing our praying in the spirit. I believe we're increasing our time pray, getting in God's word, knowing, memorizing the scripture being people of the Word, being people that know the Word of God so that when the devil comes, it comes right out of your heart and out your mouth. Not fear, not worry, not quoting Fox News. No, we're going to quote Jesus. We're going to quote what He said. Come on, lift your hands to heaven. Say this. Say, Lord, I make a fresh commitment to Your Word, to the truth of Scripture. I will not abandon the Bible. But I will bring that Bible and put it in my heart. I'll read it daily. I'll put it in my heart on a regular basis. I'm not going to just be a hearer. But God, I make a commitment to be a doer of your word. If you believe that, give God one last shout.